Psalms, Psalm 147. Praying last night, and the uh, Lord put this on my heart very clearly. And um, I, I want to say I always believe if you'll have an ear to hear, God's going to help you. God's going to talk to you. And sometimes it just uh, might not be just the main point of the message, but God's got something for every one of us. But I do want to say as we turn to our uh, text here in Psalm 147, that maybe the, the main point of this message isn't for you. Maybe not today. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But sometimes as I was praying about this, because there's so many things, I don't know what you came expecting to hear. I pray that everybody comes to church and just gets closer to God and gets just what they need. But uh, sometimes the Bible says the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 and goes for that one. And there may just be one that really needs this the most. Praise God. And if it's not you, would you be praying for that one? Would you please help us just minister to that one that needs it the most? Father, we love you. Thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. In this world, Lord, we have trials. We have troubles. But God, you're faithful. You take us by the hand and you guide us, Lord, and you teach us and you bless us, Lord. Sometimes, God, you are the lily of the valley. We love you for that, God. And we ask you, please, to just speak clearly to our hearts. You know who needs this the most, God. I do not. But, God, I pray that you would just speak and help somebody here today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. God says praise looks good. It's beautiful. Amen. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. Sometimes you feel like, why does God bother with you? Praise God. He gathers us outcasts together. Amen. But look what it says in verse 3. He healeth. Aren't you glad he's your healer? You came up, got prayed for. God's your healer. God's, God's healed you in Jesus' name. Amen. Believe it. But he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. God bless you. You can be seated. It may seem odd that maybe God starts talking about the stars right after he talks about being the healer of our hearts. The one that binds up. The wounds that nobody can see on the exterior. But the God that hung the stars in the heavens. The God that knows every constellation and knows the names of every star. He's saying, I know you. I know you more than you know yourself. He knows what, like I said, you cannot see on the exterior. You see, some folks have come to church and... And uh, maybe uh, maybe they're not feeling well or maybe they've been bumped and bruised. But there are, there are wounds and there are scars sometimes that no one sees. And you come to church with a smile on your face and a, and a friendly handshake and a warm welcome. But, but God knows what's, what's hurting. Hallelujah. We had a, a neighbor years ago when our children were very young lived across the street from us when we were in Lancaster. His name was Jim. And he was an older man and he was an alcoholic and drank himself into uh, unconsciousness regularly. And when he would come back to, to reality, he would quickly for days and sometimes weeks at a time drink himself, passed out, drunk. And uh, I would go over and I would, uh, I would visit him in a very, very small little apartment there, just a little two, two very small, almost if you could call it two rooms even go over and bring him some food and try to sit with him sometimes. And, uh, and Jim was uh, an ex-Navy SEAL. And uh, he, was, 
he was uh, quite something else. He would uh, not so much show appreciation. He would curse me out. He would pull butcher knife out of his drawer and tell me he's going to put it through me. But he was so frail from his years of alcoholism and his age that I, I never felt I was in real danger. He'd, he'd uh, already come and grabbed a snow shovel out of my hand while I was snowing and hit me, hit me in the head with it. And uh, he would curse me and tell me that my, my misery was his pleasure and laugh. And, and uh, I would try to reach out to him and tell him how, how Jesus cared about him and wanted him to be his child. And, and uh, he, would, uh, he would do everything he could, but he would take the food and he would let me sit with him. But, but he, he went through these times of rage. And sometimes he would talk to me about when I'd tell him that he mattered to God. He'd tell me that he committed atrocities in Vietnam and that he, he murdered women and children and laughed and loved every bit of it and would try to get a reaction out of me. And I'd tell him that God cared about him and loved him and that God could could heal him. All right. One day he came over. I don't believe I was even at home and he came over and and uh, my wife was there and talked to my wife and he broke down. He wasn't he wasn't drunk, but he was he was broken and he needed somebody to talk to. And he began to talk about how when he was a young child that his parents had divorced and he was in a very a time when that was uh very much a look down upon and and uh found out that the children in his neighborhood were were told that uh you need to stay away from Jim his mother's a tramp and this little boy who didn't really know anything than really about the world was treated so poorly because of what these things were saying, and it, and it hurt him deeply. And some other things that had happened in his life, he got to a point as a very young child, he said, no one will ever hurt me like that again. And it was something that he made very clear to himself that he was going to build his life in a way that that uh, no one could cause him that hurt that he had felt as a child and lived a very hard, very, very cruel life. I want to tell you a little bit more about Jim before I move on. That one day, uh, before he died, he, he came to me, or I went over to his house, rather, his apartment, and he said, um, I had a dream. And he said, I, uh, I dreamt that I came to your church. And he said, I was, I had it in my mind. I was going to come to your church and I was going to wait. He didn't know anything about the church. He had never seen any pictures. He didn't know how much we testify and things. But he said, I was going to stand up and say something. And I was going to get up and I was going to tell them that you're a liar and you're fake. And I was going to try to destroy you. And he starts to describe the inside of the church before we had it remodeled like this. And he described it to a T. And he said, I stood up ready to tell everybody that you're a phony and you're a fake. And, and I broke down and fell on my knees and started crying. And, and I said, uh, this man I treat so poorly. And I started telling your church that I, he brings me food and he checks on me and he he, he he does this and that for me, and I just broke down weeping. I said, Jim, God cares about you. This is what I've been telling you. You need to, you need to surrender to God. And I tell you, I I can't tell you that Jim ever made peace with God, but I can tell you that I I've, I've seen in life that people have scars and wounds that you can't see. Some of the ones that seem like they're just doing so well and, and, and they're in control and people seem to uh, just kind of gravitate to them in a way because of their personality. But you don't realize maybe what they're coping with inside. 
I've had people come to me already, jobs I've worked that seemed to be very popular and kind of had that magnetic personality and, and just funny and just always with a joke and always, and, and all of a sudden just open up and, and start pouring out their heart to me and say, I'm so confused. I'm so mixed up. People come to me with questions and, and, and want to, want me to tell them something that maybe can help them, but I'm so messed up because of what I've been through. If you're going to, be honest and you're going to you're going to deal with hurt in this world. You're going to deal with hurting people in this world. Sadly, I, I see that in, in a world like today, when when so much, uh, so much of the home, so much of what has been defined by the the creator defined by God to be a family and a home and something that is healthy and something that is strong has been attacked and dissolved. And, and there are people that, uh, that are, are very, very hurt at a young age through abuse, through neglect, or sometimes in neglect, they, uh, they aren't really, they don't really see how, Maybe a mother and a father, as they grow, pray through situations and circumstances. They're kind of isolated, locked away in a bedroom with a with an internet connection and uh, and a, a game system, and, and and they know just a lot of the lies and a lot of the filth and a lot of the uh, the the make believe. And they might talk to people online and who are just as lone and. And fake as they are, and they don't really realize that when they get, you get out of your bedroom and try to get a job or try to have a real relationship, that it's not always just like it is in the movies, like it is in the funny videos. Sometimes you have to deal with disappointments and hurts and and uh, failures. And, and they've never really seen how to deal with that. And now all of a sudden it's, it's so hard to really, it's devastating and to, to really deal with the real, real world. And, and, um, but hurt happens, hurt happens. And, and, and there are people who, who you meet and maybe you have, have been hurt deeply by, by, well, you know, it's, truth is you can't really be hurt by somebody you don't really care too much about those wounds aren't really that uh that deep but people have been hurt by by parents people have been hurt by children people have been hurt by spouses husbands and wives people have been hurt by preachers people have been hurt by christians people have been hurt in churches and and uh, you say, well, it just should not happen. We are living in a fallen world. And the thing is, God is amazing, as I can't stop saying. He is so strong and he's so perfect. But we're not. We're frail. We're fragile. Yeah. We really are. We are susceptible. We're vulnerable to wounds. And even Jesus himself, we see an amazing conversation that happens. It's prophetic. Jesus returns and, you know, when Jesus came in Bethlehem, the, the Jews were looking for a king to drive off the Romans. They were looking for a great political leader to step in and, and send them off and set Israel as, uh, as the head of the nations and set them where they, but he had to deal with their sin first and our sin. And they missed all the scriptures like Isaiah said. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. They missed all that. They didn't want all that. They just wanted to be, you know, exalted and finally out of those chains. And he came to serve and to, to suffer and to die. And they were shouting all along, crucify him. Let his blood be on us and on our children. Bible tells of a, an event that's going to happen in the future where he returns as that reigning king of kings and lord of lords. And, oh, we look for that day. And there will be those that say, hey, there comes our Messiah. And then all of a sudden they look a little closer and they say, where'd you get those wounds? 
It's amazing to me, and I'm sure you've heard it many times, many different ways, that there will be one thing that has been man-made in the kingdom of heaven. It will be those scars that will remain. And they look and they say, where did, where did you get those scars? Do you know what he answered? In the house of my friends. And then they realized, wow, we did that to you. All along, you were just trying to serve. All along, you were just trying to help us all along. And, and, and I feel that there's somebody here today, you, you're not claiming to be perfect. You're not claiming like you've done everything right because you're just human. And you can beat yourself up all you want. But I'm not going to let you do that very long because you know what? Anybody and everybody, they're just doing the best they can and trying to learn from it and do better. And if you've stumbled, you've made mistake. congratulations, you're part of the human race. It's just going to happen that way. And anybody that makes you feel like your, your lack of perfection is such a character de- a fault that they can't take it, well, that's because they're trying to point the finger off themselves probably. But the fact is, sometimes we're just trying to do the best we can with what we know. You... Sometimes you look back and you say, I made these stupid mistakes and I, I, I failed so much, you know. Uh, and, but you know what? You didn't know what you knew then, which, like you know now. Sometimes when you're younger and, you know, experience and wisdom is not a characteristic of the young and stupid. I can, I can tell you that by experience. <laughs> so just hoping to be older and less stupid. But sometimes we, we experience, though we're looking to do the best we know how to do, we can get hurt deeply. And it can be overwhelming. That's why the Bible tells us these things. It's no, no, not strange. The Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I in Psalm 61. When my heart is overwhelmed. It's, it can be overwhelming to know, to, 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 to have Words that have been spoken to you by someone that uh, that should be supporting you or should be understanding even maybe. And it is our reaction. It's our it's our kind of uh, can I say uh, it's in our genes right from our great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. What do you do? You hide. You hide. You, you, You cover up. And, and you get really good at that, but hurt, well, it won't be the wisest thing that you hear this morning, but it hurts. And it really does. It, it can be overwhelming. It can be devastating. And, and I would venture to say there's not too many folks here that have, don't, aren't carrying at least some scars. Some, some, some wounds that, that uh, are very real to you and and maybe you've sought to have somebody understand and somebody to support you. And, and at times, uh, some of the apostles, some of the disciples, some of the men and women of, uh, of old of the word of God, they understand what it means. That, that, that it seems like I look left and I look right. Nobody really understands how bad this is. God does. And that's the thing you have to understand. He healeth the broken heart. He binds up those wounds. He is a God that heals us. And so often I'm not any less excited about, uh, about uh, blind eyes opening and deaf ears unstopped and, and, and uh, the feeble to, the, to be able to walk and understand that, that so often God is healing some things that in you and in me that are no less amazing. No less amazing. Praise God. Shared with brother here recently has mentioned briefly about some of the the miracles. Oh, I want to see something like a like a Red Sea opening. I said, don't you think a a a, a, a thirty year addiction being broken and a family being able to pray together is greater than water moving to the left and the right? I think it blows that out of the water. I think Moses will be going, oh wow, that's awesome. 
Don't you think God is taking you from what you were and delivering you from every devil and, and all the depression and all the darkness and, and putting joy and hope and peace in you? Isn't that that's the greater works, amen, that Jesus talked about? Because now the Holy Ghost is moving and now lives and hearts are being healed. God is doing greater things. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I'd like to see, pick up a staff, I'll take my cane somewhere and throw it on the ground, turn it into a snake and pick it up. And now it's a cane again. That'd be pretty neat. How about, how about, uh, hallelujah, a family and a marriage and a, and a life that's blessed and fulfilled and, and just joy unspeakable and full of glory. What good is that stick going to do you? Amen. A testimony that you can tell people, look what the Lord has done. Look what he did for me. He got a hold of my mind. He took away the depression, took away the anxiety, took away the addiction, and filled me with life. Healed my broken heart. You're not alone. You're not alone. Your situation is specific to you. Your circumstance, don't get yourself in a place where you say, you can't, you can't know. No, you're right, and I'll agree with you, because your pain is personal. But you're not the only one that's been overwhelmed. You're not the only one that's been done dirty. It's happened, praise God, to a lot of us, praise God. If you have a testimony, save it for later. It's not fair. I'll tell you this. This is something you'll hear from me. You might not hear from a lot of Christians, a lot of preachers, but but we're not in heaven. So some so what has happened to you most likely is not fair. But God is good. And the understanding that we must begin to forgive. Now, forgiveness. What I have found is trying to help people work through forgiveness is they've got an idea that that I don't think is a biblical idea of forgiveness. Because in your mind, they're getting away with something and I have to almost approve of that and act like it never happened. I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that I see that in the Bible. But I do know that the main, and so much can be said, and so much has been said and will be said, but I want to focus on this. The, it's the fact that you have to take your focus off of what has been done to you and give it to God. Let him focus on it now. Yeah. Amen. Say, I can't do nothing about it. You're doing the best thing you can do by actively saying, okay, God, this is yours now. Yeah. Right. Say, oh, they're going to get away with it. You think so little of God. And you've read so little of your Bible. I'm not going to hold on to that debt, but I'm going to hand that over to the collection agency. He's going to handle that. But I have to give it to God because it's going to eat me up like a cancer. I'm not saying that I'm still not going to hurt. I'm not saying that it's not going to sting. But I'm going to give up the right to try to get even. To get back, to have revenge. God didn't say it won't happen. God said it's mine. Give it to me. I can tell you I want I want to see my worst enemy turn around saved and in heaven. I don't want to see anybody lost and go to hell. But God knows how to take care of my business better than anyone. And if you give that to God and say, God, you help me to let go of it. You help me, because there's something else I'm going to get to, to change my focus. Because if you focus on what's been done to you, it will damage you. What I was saying earlier is not just a cliche about eating you up. It's not just figurative idea that God is going to not forgive you because we pray forgive us of our debts, just like we forgive our debtors. But what it's going to do, it's going to affect how... 
going to affect every other area of your life and how you view other people. I've seen so many people get so upset and so angry. And I was like, wait a minute, they're not angry at me. But they just expect a preacher hurt them, a preacher did them wrong, so now I'm them, or, or every preacher's like that. That's, that's not right. That's right. Oh, I, I know how it is, and, and how Christians are, and, and I know how every Christian is. No, I can't tell you the way isn't narrow. Can't tell you there's not a lot of hypocrites, a lot of false prophets. But I can tell you, once you have this idea that everybody, I think David said it in one of his Psalms, in my haste, I said, all men are liars. Everybody, nobody's right. Nobody's serious. Nobody. That's, that's just wrong. Now, if you want to sit around and say there's not a lot of folks that are right, I, I tend to agree with you. But don't say everybody's wrong. Everybody's fake. Everybody. That's, that's what unforgiveness does to you. And you start living in a way that every you're looking for it. Oh, how I've seen it so many times in church. Good folks that have so much potential, but they're just waiting for everybody to turn everybody to backslide, everybody to do wrong. They, they're, see, there it is. They're not looking for the good. They're not looking for, hey, look, there's progress. There's something good because that's what their focus is. But they're just expecting everything to to tank. Everything's going to fail. Everybody's going to fail. This whole. But no, no, no. God's God's working. Give the debt to God. Like I said, praise the Lord. Yes, it, it, it doesn't mean I just turn around and maybe it's someone in, in a church. Maybe it's someone in my family. It doesn't mean that now immediately if I forgive them, then I've just, I, I'm going to trust them immediately. Now, trust is difficult to build. And I don't know that you just have unconditional trust once you have forgiveness, but. But sometimes you do have to just let some things go and say, okay, God, I'm signing this over to you. you. I can't allow this to waste my time any longer. Right. Hallelujah. Look what it says in Psalm 94. Psalm 94. If hurt is not allowed, if you don't let God heal you of hurt, it'll turn you into somebody you don't want to be. Right. It'll rob you of your ability to, to minister, to bless, to be that blessing because your focus is so much on what's been taken from you. Can I tell you, God is able to do better than what anybody else has ever taken. God's so good. Psalm 94, 21, they gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous. This, did you hear that? You're not alone. Condemn the innocent blood. The Lord is my defense. And my God is the rock of my refuge. He's my hiding place. He shall bring upon them their own iniquity that shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. God's, God's got a way of handling things that are beyond our control. But what is in our control is our spirit, is our response to that. Say, brother, this is bigger than me. Well, that's where prayer comes in. This is stronger than me. This is where prayer comes in, where you say, God, I need you to heal my broken heart. That doesn't mean there's not going to be some scars. Amen. Doesn't mean there's not going to be some places where... It might be sensitive to you for a while, but God is merciful and God is patient and God will help you be healed of that. So it doesn't, can I say it this way, become your personality. Just come taking over. That there, there, there are people that I know they're defined by the hurt that someone else has inflicted on them. This, they're much better than all that. They've got so much to offer the world and the kingdom of God. But now their personality is completely just engulfed in what somebody else did. Don't let them rule you. Don't let them have that power over you. Because somebody else played the fool. Because somebody else was, was, was just wrong and they wronged you. Don't let that control you. God is greater than that. See, these are the kind of mountains I believe the Bible's talking about moving. Again, just like the Red Sea uh, 
illustration I gave, Jesus talked about having faith as like a grain of mustard seed and moving mountains. I'm telling you, these are the mountains he's talking about. I'm not talking about going out there and doing some landscaping for the whole state of Pennsylvania. You know, I just think that mountain would look so much better in my backyard. That's not what he's talking about. But some of these things are mountains. And if you get your shovel and start working a while, maybe in about 10 years, you won't be anywhere closer than you were 10 years ago. But if you have faith in what God can do, he can take that mountain of hurt and throw it into the ocean. Say, I've tried, I've tried that, and it's just so difficult. Well, here's the thing about anything you try to do for God there's a principle that really encompasses the whole Bible. See, God gave us those, uh, that first half of your Bible. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was like a teacher, a schoolmaster right. to lead us to Christ. Yeah. Because the Old Covenant was laws that said, this is what you better do or else. Right? We've got commandments, not just 10. Like I said, that those 10 were part of 613 and every one of them carrying a very steep penalty. But the problem with human nature is that if there's a sign that says don't touch wet paint, everything in me wants to just. Get on there and touch that. Just a little. I didn't, do, I didn't hardly touch it. Did you ever see a child where you say, don't you touch that? And they go. Why do they do that? Little devil. They're not. It's just, it's your human nature you passed on to them. There's that responsibility stuff again. You know, just stay off the lawn. I'm just going to walk along the edge of it. Who's going, you're not going to tell me what to do. That's human nature. We read, read the Sermon on the Mount. He starts going back to those commandments and saying, you know what? You're not righteous because you're keeping them the way you're keeping them. They should show you you need a Savior. That's all that was. But... But if you get filled, if you don't live your life trying to think and focus on what I can't say, I can't do, I can't touch, I can't, and start realizing I've got a life that is filled with a focus on Jesus. So in love with him. I'll tell you, that's why some of these folks are doing so well in, in living for God. They've got their folk. They love church. They love God's people. They love the Bible. But they, it's all under the idea that I love Jesus so much that he gave me a Bible. He gave me a church. He gave me a life. Amen. And when you love Jesus, you start realizing I've got, I've got great things to be doing. I can praise God. I can pray and I can tell people about how good he is. I can see, uh, be a blessing to my family, be a blessing to my brothers and sisters, be a blessing and reach out to my neighbors. Oh, I, I'll tell you what, I need to get a, a better calendar to just fill in all the great things I can be doing with my new life. Oh, but I got to go to work or I got to have, I got to do chores. Hey, you're doing this unto God and you're doing it as a, being a testimony and light and being kind and, and working with other people every day, moment of the day, whatever you're doing, you're shining. You say, Oh, I don't know. I could do so much for God if I didn't have to work over here. Don't you think those people need to see a, a Christian at their place of employment? Amen. What about this neighborhood you're in? Shine bright for them right there. You've been hurt. But can I tell you, no matter who you are, I've never seen anyone do well. Even though God's salvation is so amazing, I've never seen anyone do well that didn't just take on the attitude of a giver. 
I'm not talking about passing the plate. That's such a small part of what we're talking about. But a, someone that's not just taking, someone that's not just looking around and saying, you know what somebody said? That didn't make me happy. You know what somebody did? That didn't please me very much. And you know what I didn't like? See, you become a taker and everything you do is about what I feel and what I like and what I got and what they were doing, what that made me feel like. That's a taker. But a giver doesn't have time for a whole lot of that. You, everybody feels the same way as you do about it. You're not the smart one that knows it. It's just that some people are focused higher than that. Amen. And they're focused on, you know, I got a chance to testify. I got a chance to be a blessing. I, I, I had a chance, but he didn't give it to me. No, just kidding. My wife. I had a chance to, 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 to encourage somebody, I had a chance to tell them how I had a chance to worship God, I had a chance to come into the presence of God, and, and it's all, you'll get blessed by all that. That's a cool thing. You're not worshiping some idol, some piece of stone, some, some, some dead uh, prophet like Buddha or Muhammad. You're serving a living God that will love you right back and give you one of those hugs. Amen. But when your focus is on being a giver, you'll do well. When your focus is on how can I help, how can I be a blessing, how can I strengthen, how can I encourage, amen. How can I be a blessing? Come on, you'll see it over and over. Job was having a bad day. Can anybody say amen? Job was having a bad day. So his friends come by and they say, you know what, Job? your fault you got god mad you're you, everybody thought you were a good guy but apparently you're not and this is all your fault and, and you know I, I i think it's just so so just so wrong that they even go on and say you know what if the truth would be told job you know i know you're there with all these boils all over you i know you just buried your children i know all your possessions have been either stolen or burned to the ground but truth be told if you got what you deserved it'd probably be twice as worse as this hey thanks friend appreciate that what was he supposed to do with that god comes around you know job starts to get a little high and haughty read the book he starts to say, you know, uh, you're probably right. I don't. He starts getting into this focus of defending himself and how wrong this is. And, and ultimately, that will go back to God. You allowed this. And God steps in and says, you want to talk? Right. Let's talk. Man up. Job repents. And God says, pray for your friends. What? What's the point of that? Well, it's it's the principle of the kingdom of heaven. You know, you're going to get your focus that you've started focusing on all your hurt and all the people that are blaming you and saying it was your fault. I'm going to I'm going to make you forget about that for a little bit. And I want you to pray for them. But they're losing. Yeah, pray for them anyway. But you think just pray for them. And God turned his captivity around. God healed his broken heart at that time. Years ago, when I began to pastor, um, a brother came by the church, became a very good friend, uh, and helped to me. Uh, brother Ricky Adams had uh, loaned, bought a book for me that talked about how David was just a man after God's own heart and loved God and just did everything he could to serve God. And, and, and for that, Saul... Tried to kill him. Tried to pin him to the wall with javelins. David never lost his integrity. But David David was run off into the wilderness, run off into caves, and, and he was hurt. Years later, David is now king. And his son is accusing him, Absalom. His son is rising up against him. But now David's not just that little peon. He is the king. And he has access to some javelins, but he never, he never turns into a Saul. He steps off the throne for a little while and says, I'd rather not have my place on the throne than turn into a Saul and start throwing javelins at the people that are hurting me. He was hurt, but you can see that 
in his hurt. He never sought revenge. He had the ability. Even his closest friends were saying, hey, God delivered Saul into your hand. We'll put this spear into him right now, and we won't have to hit him twice. And David said, who am I to raise my hand against God's anointed, even though the man was devil-possessed? He said, that's not God's. It's in God's hands. I don't have to do this. I don't have to have my hands on it. And God will bless me for it. But when his own son, you can only imagine how that hurt him, turned against him and tried to ruin him. He had every ability to exercise his authority and stand against Absalom. He said, God, you were in control back there with Saul. You're still in control. I'm not going to allow that to identify who I am. And, of course, we have Jesus hanging on the cross. We have Jesus through all the spit, through all the curses, through all the mocking. He hangs on the cross and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know if you've ever thought about that very much, but you know what? In some sense, I don't want to sound like I'm arguing with the Lord, but if you're hurting, you might say they knew exactly what they were doing. Jesus saw a, a higher calling to, to get his fo- our focus in, uh, of our humanity off the blame and off the hurt and off the, the retribution, the revenge, the reckoning of it all, and get our eyes on something greater. All right. Amen? Yes, Your focus needs to be in serving God. Doing everything that God's called you to. John 13. I'm closing. John 13. The Bible says Jesus in his ministry and his service and all that he was called to do in this life, in this short time that he was walking in flesh on the earth. He, he takes the time and, and does something I'm sure just had the disciples' mouths hanging open. He, he, he steps aside and, and he starts to wrap a towel around himself like a servant. And then he gets a basin of water and he starts washing those disciples' feet. He takes the form of a servant, takes the mind of the, the, the attitude of a servant and begins to wash their feet. And then he goes on. Let me read it. So after verse 12, John 13, 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said, I know ye what I have done to you. They're sitting there with their eyes like dinner plates, their mouths hanging open. Did that just happen? I mean, we're talking about Jesus where Thomas, just a few days later, looked at it and said, my Lord and my God right there in the flesh. He said, you call me master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that has sent greater. He that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I'll tell you who's happy in the kingdom of God. The doer, the servant, the one that. Oh, not the one that says, oh, you don't know I've been so hurt. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. But in spite of that, in spite of all that, if you can begin to look at areas and and just take a little bit of time, just take take, take a little time to focus on right where you are today and say, is there a way that I can, I can serve, way that I can help? Not looking for why somebody didn't do for me, just... God's going to do much for you. But if you can be a blessing, if you can look for a way to help somebody. I don't think this is just random idea of just a, a thing to, to that busy work, if I can say. 
But I look at this, just a few more moments. I look at this idea of washing someone's feet. It's very humbling. Amen. Very humbling, but also recognizing that, you know what this is? This is good folks that are walking in a dirty world and they got some of that dirt from out there on them. And I'm going to help them. I'm not going to say, look at how dirty their feet are. If you would have walked better, you would have not been so dirty, boy. But I'm going to help them get some of that dirt off of them. I'm going to help them get clean. I'm going to help them get saved. I'm going to help them be blessed. I'm going to, I'm going to help them do better. When you can get your focus on being part of the solution. Can I tell you what's going to happen in you before you know it? You're going to grow in such a way that those scars in you aren't going to define you any longer. It's not going to be who you are. People aren't going to see you and say, there's somebody that's been through some battles. There's somebody that's been hurting, but you're going to see somebody with joy and peace who's been through some battles, but they're better because of Jesus. God heals the brokenhearted. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? God binds up those wounds. Your focus has been too long on the wounds. Not saying that you can just ignore them. I'm not saying that it's it's easy. But I am saying that God will heal you. And that you can go on to be better. You can go on to be more of a blessing in spite of what you've been through. I think the most amazing thing sometimes is those that have been hurt the most, they can recognize that people are hurt and say, you know what, I don't want to be like that. I want to be a friend that I want somebody to know that I'm I'm there for them to lean on. I'm there to be able to pray for them and to help them and encourage them because chances are there's a lot of people who have hurt them already. So if you know what it's like to be hurt, God's kingdom needs you healed and strong to help be the one that can be a friend that can be faithful that can be real God wants to do that in you I feel this today I'm not sure exactly who it's for I really don't know why just right now but God's still that healer maybe you've been praying for a need in your body maybe there's something that's that's causing you physical pain and God's saying can we just look a little deeper than that today because he wants to heal your broken heart let's find a place to pray oh in the name of Jesus help us church help us pray God's working in this service today oh yes those of you that have faith those of you that are strong those of you that have overcome pain and hurt we need you we need you to be strong we need you be your healer. It's going to be you. You'll do more than just survive hurt. You'll be an overcomer. You'll be an overcomer. You got to give it to God. You got to give it to God and get your focus on something a little higher. Be a friend. friend like Jesus.
I don't want to hide anymore, Lord. Here I am. I've got wounds. I've got hurt. But, Lord, I, I want you to heal me now. I want you to take it from me. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to cast my care upon you because you care for me. So many other things that I could have and maybe thought about preaching this morning, but I know what God God gave me. Lord, in Jesus' name, my friends that have been hurt, my friends that have been hurt in church, my friends that have been hurt by Christians or by preachers, God, I'm asking you, Lord, help us not to carry wounds and allow them to be infected and fester, Lord, but help us to be healed. Help us to be healed. People will fail. Friends will fail you. We all stumble. We all sometimes don't even try, but sometimes we fall short even in our friendships, in our humanity. But I'm talking about real wounds, real hurts that we carry with us. God, heal those here today. Lord, let this service be a step in the direction of, Lord, your healing. just how the enemy fights but oh how he comes so close to home we need to work towards healing we need to begin the process today by giving things over to God completely Lord help us Lord help us it's so difficult sometimes to let go it's so hard Lord to just leave it in your care and to trust you but that's where faith is necessary to believe that Lord you are going to work even in hurt, God. Because you've experienced it more than anyone as you hung there on Calvary, Lord. You bore the hurt of my sins. You bore the hurt, Lord God, of the sins of the whole world. And God, you you did it in love. God, help us. Help us and heal us. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. God, help us to go out of this house, Lord, just... Lord, just filled up with your spirit, God, and, and Lord, shine in the light to the hurting, to the lost. We love you so much. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. God bless you.